Chapter Nine of the Cowardly Lion of Oz by Ruth Plummy Thompson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Nine, In Search of a Brave Man. The Cowardly Lion was familiar with all the forests in Oz, and though the one through which he was passing was so dense that even in the morning only a dim light filtered through the trees, he had no difficulty finding his way. In the center of this forest lived a small colony of woodcutters, and the Cowardly Lion was heading straight for this colony, roaring and growling to keep up his courage. The more he thought about devouring a brave man, the faster he ran. The thing would have to be done quickly or not at all, quickly before his heart failed him entirely. As the hollow blows of an axe came echoing through the stillness, a shiver ran down his back, and, when a sudden leap brought him upon a tall munchkin forester, he stopped altogether. At the sound of the crackling branches the man turned, but when he saw the newcomer was a lion, he calmly went on with his work. "'There's bravery for you,' gulped the cowardly lion to himself. Now was his chance, for the man's back was turned. But it was no use. He simply could not spring on a man brave enough to turn his back. So instead he sighed heavily and sat down. <sighs> "'How's the hunting?' asked the woodcutter gruffly after he had brought down his tree why not very good thank you replied the lion pensively this was worse still how could one eat up a man in the middle of a conversation well now that's too bad the woodcutter mopped his brow and turned round slowly tell me asked the lion blinking his eyes unhappily are you a brave man well that pondered the woodcutter, sitting down on a stump and wiping off his axe with a bunch of leaves. That I hardly know. Don't you think talking to a lion is pretty brave? asked the great beast, hopefully. He gathered himself for a spring. If the man said yes, he would certainly eat him up and have an end to this disagreeable business. But instead the woodcutter regarded him closely. Say— he burst out, hopping to his feet and giving the cowardly lion a resounding whack on the back. "'Say, this is an honor. Sorry I didn't recognize you at once. Boys!' He raised his voice joyfully. "'Boys, here's the good old cowardly lion, the cowardly lion himself. Come on out. We've often heard about you,' explained the big man, fairly beaming upon the embarrassed lion. But as none of us ever go to the Emerald City, this is the first we've seen of you. How is the Scarecrow and Ozma? And how's Princess Dorothy? You see, even though we live in the woods, we know all about you famous folks. The cowardly lion put his paw to his head and tried to think. It was upsetting to have a man you intend to devour so frightfully polite. How did you know I was the cowardly lion? he asked in a husky voice. Why? First I thought you were like any other lion, then I saw you were all of a tremble, and I says to myself, says I, Wilby, my lad, you're looking straight at this famous cowardly lion of Oz. I tell you it's a proud day for me. To think I'm talking face to face with a lion who has saved his country as many times as you have, 
I declare now it's a pleasure. Before the cowardly line could answer, a dozen more woodcutters came running toward them, and when he had been introduced by Wilby Watt to each woodcutter in turn, and to the wives and children of each woodcutter, he had neither the breath nor the inclination to devour anybody. The children hastily wove him a flower chain and crowed with delight when he trotted them about on his back. The women brought out their choicest meats and dishes of honey to refresh him, while the men sat around and listened solemnly to all he had to say of doings in the Emerald City. Why, there had not been such a holiday in the forest since the Wicked Witch of the West had been destroyed by little Dorothy. The cowardly lion, ashamed of the dreadful purpose that had brought him to the forest, outdid himself to entertain them, and so enchanted were the kindly woodcutters with his conversation that he could not tear himself away until late in the afternoon. "'Oh, I'll never be able to eat a woodcutter,' groaned the cowardly lion, trotting slowly along in the gathering dusk. "'Oh, never after the way they have treated me. I'll have to find some other sort of brave person to swallow.' Scraps' advice was proving difficult right at the start, and, very thoughtfully, the cowardly lion continued his journey. It was night-time when he reached the edge of the forest. Night-time and not a brave man in sight. But in the southern part of the Munchkin country there are many great mountains, and among the sturdy Munchkin mountaineers surely there would be a brave man. So the lion, who did not mind at all traveling in the dark, ran steadily toward the south through quiet little villages through fragrant fields and meadows even swimming the broad and turbulent munchkin river it was rather lonely and he wished dorothy or sir hocus of pokes were along but he well knew that neither would approve of his plan for acquiring courage he was not sure that he approved of it himself but he kept on arguing in his head and shuddering in his heart and sighing because he was so great a coward. Just as the sun rose he came upon a brave man asleep under a blue rose-bush. He knew he must be brave, because he was dressed as a huntsman, and beside him lay a terrible-looking gun. The cowardly lion's heart began to thump like a trip-hammer, for he was much afraid of guns. But it did not seem fair at all to swallow a man in his sleep and though he trembled so violently he could scarcely stand he determined to waken the huntsman and to ascertain at the same time whether he were brave enough for his purpose gathering himself together as best he could he sprang upon the sleeping huntsman there was a crackle and snap as if he had stepped upon a pillow stuffed with twigs then an ear-splitting shriek flattened back the cowardly lion's ears and fairly curdled his blood at the same time his tail was seized from behind and twisted terrifically. "'Help! Help!' screamed the huntsman, trying to rise. "'Ouch! Stop!' roared the cowardly lion, while the person who had hold of his tail screamed in seven different keys. The cowardly lion removed his paw from the huntsman's chest. "'Are you a brave man?' he asked in a quavering voice. "'Not very.' chattered the huntsman, jumping up and backing cautiously toward a tree. "'Well, you don't sound brave,' continued the lion in a relieved voice. "'A brave man would not call for help. Let go of my tail, little boy. It's all a mistake. I don't want this huntsman after all.' 
he's not a huntsman wailed the little boy running over and clasping the man around the knees not a huntsman roared the cowardly lion waving his tail very fast then what i'm a clown you rude monster spluttered the man indignantly a clown well i should say and none other than our old friend not a bit more snatching off his hat and false whiskers he swung bob up into a tree and nimbly followed himself when they were both seated on a branch far above the ground he looked anxiously through the trees to see what the lion would do next never saw such a country for lions he puffed resentfully the lion with one paw shading his eyes was looking up at them are you afraid he called pleasantly are you afraid well don't be for being a coward myself makes me very sympathetic at the word coward nada almost fell from the tree bob whispered the clown hoarsely it's the cowardly lion himself now we mustn't let him know we're going to capture him he's a very bad lion interrupted bob up tearfully he tried to bite you what say called the lion who could only hear an indistinct muttering he says you are a very bad lion repeated nada looking seriously at the great creature below ah he's right sighed the lion dolefully i am a bad lion a good lion would have eaten you up by this time but a bad lion often makes a good friend come on down it was all a mistake are you a friend of dorothy's asked bob leaning far out over the branch at the mention of dorothy the cowardly lion gave a guilty little jump well i should say so are you friends of dorothy's no but we're from the same country said the clown and if you're quite sure you don't want to eat me up we'd like to ask you a few questions i've never eaten a man in my life roared the cowardly lion rolling his eyes sadly then why start on me asked notta scratching his ear and winking at bob up now that the incident was over it struck him as terribly funny to be perched in a tree conversing with the cowardly lion he wished some of his old pals in the circus could see him he'd never expect them to believe it otherwise so notta and bob climbed down and the three regarded each other with frank interest the cowardly lion had never seen a clown and the clown had never seen a cowardly lion so there was much to be explained and accounted for first notta told of their sudden transportation to mudge of doorways and everything else except mustafa's determination to have them capture the cowardly lion himself they were on their way explained the clown to the emerald city to see whether or not dorothy could find a way to send them back to the united states ozma can do that very easily with her magic belt said the lion but i will go with you for oz is full of dangers for mortal folks like you and dorothy would not want anything to happen to anyone from her country i am very sure he then told them a lot about the marvelous land of oz with its four big countries and its many little ones this roared the cowardly lion with a sweep of his paw is the munchkin country to the north is the kingdom of the gillikins to the west is the winkie country and to the south the quadling country ruled over by the good sorceress glinda 
but all of Oz is under the rule of Ozma. Bob's eyes grew rounder and rounder as he told them how Dorothy was first blown to Oz by a cyclone, of her discovery of the scarecrow, how she had lifted him down his pole, and, with the cowardly line and tin woodman, traveled to the Emerald City, then ruled over by the Wizard of Oz. Then he told how Ozma, the little fairy ruler, who was the real Queen of Oz, had been found and placed upon the throne. Then came the story of Scraps and Sir Hocus and of Tick-Tock, and of every other amazing person living in the amazing Emerald City. When the cowardly lion paused for breath, Bob was jumping up and down with excitement. "'Oh, I do want to see Dorothy and the Scarecrow. Let's hurry!' cried the little orphan, throwing his arms round the cowardly lion's neck. The kind old cowardly lion blinked with pleasure. "'I'm glad you did that,' he rumbled in a husky voice. "'For now I know that you trust me and have forgotten all about that unfortunate mistake.' "'But why did you ask if I was brave?' mused the clown, who could scarcely believe that this merry little boy hugging the cowardly lion was the sane Bobby Downs who had fallen into Mudge. "'Because,' the line swallowed self-consciously, "'because I am looking for the bravest man in Oz.' "'What will you do when you find him?' asked Notta, carefully folding up his huntsman's suit and powdering his nose with another marshmallow. "'Now don't ask me that, please.' The cowardly lion raised his paw pleadingly and looked so uncomfortable, Notta dropped the subject at once. He felt a little uncomfortable himself, for he had determined, as soon as the opportunity presented itself, to tie up the great creature and somehow or other deliver him to Mustafa. What else could he do? The clown sighed regretfully, for already he had taken a great fancy to the cowardly lion. But fancy or not, one could not risk turning blue, and he had Bob up to think of. To gain the lion's confidence, he decided to travel with him for a while toward the Emerald City, and, so long as they did that with the fixed purpose of capturing the cowardly lion, Mustafa's ring would not turn black. Nata said nothing of his plans to Bob, for the boy was so happy at the thought of visiting the Emerald City, and so delighted with this new and interesting friend, he hated to spoil a bit of his pleasure. So he merely opened another pack of Mustafa's sandwiches, and they all had a cheerful breakfast together. Then, with Bob proudly riding the lion, they started off once again toward the north. "'Would you mind telling me why you pretended to be a huntsman?' asked the cowardly lion. He had been looking sideways at Nata for some time, trying to puzzle the thing out for himself. <laughs> "'Not at all!' chuckled the clown, chinning himself on the branch of a tree. I disguised myself as a huntsman to frighten off any wild animals while we were asleep. I always disguise myself when there is danger in the wind, don't I, Bobby? The little boy nodded his head solemnly. Does it help? asked the cowardly lion in an interested voice. Bob Up looked thoughtful, but as the clown nodded emphatically, he said nothing. 
It seemed to Bob that Nada always picked the wrong disguise, but the clown was so confident and cheerful about it he could not bear to discourage him. So he listened politely while Nata explained his rules of disguise, politeness, joke, and run. When he had finished, the cowardly lion shook his head. Uh, I suppose, said he, half closing his eyes, that you cannot help your disguises any more than I can help my cowardice. It isn't that I am afraid, exclaimed Nata hastily, but I can fight better when I am not looking like myself. When I look like myself I feel funny, and when I feel funny I can't fight. Well, with me, said the cowardly lion, who, like most of us, enjoy talking about himself, the funnier I look, the harder I fight. So don't frighten me, I beg of you, for when I'm frightened I fight terrifically. I'll remember what you say, said Nada turning a somersault and wondering uneasily what the cowardly lion would do when he tried to capture him. But the thought of being captured never entered the lion's head. He was rather glad to have the two strangers turn up this way. It postponed that disagreeable business of eating a brave man. Of course, if they should run across one on the journey, well enough. But first it was his plain duty to conduct this clown and little boy safely to the Emerald City. Nata was so cheerful and jolly, and made so much fun out of everything, that the cowardly lion felt repaid for any trouble he was taking, and Bob Up had not been so happy since they had fallen into this bewildering country. Toward noon, as the sun grew rather hot, the cowardly lion turned into a small inviting wood which he felt was a shortcut to the yellow brick road. But on the very first tree a large sign made them pause. The sign said, Twenty trees to you. I never heard of any country called you, mumbled the cowardly lion, blinking up at the sign in his surprise. There was one just like this on the road we came down yesterday, said Nata. Bob and I wondered what it stood for. Well, I don't know mused the lion. That's the queer thing about Oz. Even old residents like myself are often amazed to find new countries and peoples where we never expected to find them. According to the maps there are only scattered farms between here and the Emerald City. But so long as we have to go through this wood we might as well see what U stands for. Bob was the first to discover that every now and then the trees were numbered and, following them in the order of their numbers, took them deeper and deeper into the forest. When they reached the tree numbered nineteen, they were alarmed to note that all the other numbers that had guided them here had disappeared. The wood had meanwhile grown so dense that they could hardly push on, and, when Nada suggested that they go back, they found they had lost the way entirely. The cowardly lion was full of stickers and thorns, and while Bob picked them out of his woolly mane, the clown climbed the nineteenth tree to make a little survey of the country. With a shout he came scrambling down. There is a clearing just beyond, and I think I make out twenty on the tree in the center, puffed Nata. Come on. The clown was growing more interested in this strange country every minute. He could hardly wait to see what was going to happen next. Let me go first. My hide doesn't tear as easily as yours, said the cowardly lion. 
and he began pushing through the heavy thicket in the direction pointed out by Nata. Holding up their arms to protect their faces, the others followed, and in almost no time they had come out on a small clearing. As they looked, the clown clutched Bob, while the cowardly line blinked with astonishment. The twentieth tree was knitting furiously, holding in its long fingers nearly a hundred gleaming needles, and bending its witchy head every once in a while to examine the great cloudy net that flowed all around it. For some moments they watched in puzzled silence. Then Bob screamed, the cowardly lion roared, and Nada gasped with alarm. For the net suddenly swooped down and swooped them up like a school of fish. The tree gave a disagreeable little laugh, quickly knitted the top of the net together, and, lifting all its branches at once, tossed the luckless travelers high over its head. Miraculously, as it struck the air, the big porous bag filled out like a balloon and went sailing upward at a terrible rate. The cowardly lion, Bob Up and Nata, rolling over and over in the bottom and bumping and banging together in a most painful and unpleasant fashion. End of chapter 9